Hello, and welcome back to Conversations with Claire. Today, my guest is Jim Galvin. Did I pronounce it appropriately? You did. You nailed it. You nailed it. Phenomenal. All right. So you are an ex-Team GB, which I love this because we're in America and people will be like, what is that? Great Britain. Bob Slay, athlete. Also funny because whenever I was reading it, I was like, Bob Slay. Okay. You guys are at minimum going to be entertained by his accent. If nothing else, if you're an American, you're like, this is nice. I like listening to this just because he's from London, right? Just south of, yeah. Yeah, that's my only value. I'm not going to talk about anything interesting. I'll just say it in an interesting way because of my accent. Yeah, and it's going to sound significantly more profound as a direct result. <laughs> just by that. You could You're welcome. Say, You're welcome. What is it, rubbish? Absolute rubbish. Is that rubbish. a term? Yeah, you could yeah. just say absolute rubbish. Absolute rubbish. That makes me think of, I've had the opportunity to work with some people from London, and so this is giving me memories Nostalgic of, some of, vibes. The, some of the things that they would say that I, that I really enjoyed. Okay. I like it. Back to you. So you are also a former Royal Marines commando. Correct. Here we go. Here's another one where commando has a different meaning in America. <laughs> but commander would be the term that we would use. So. No. Uh, I think you guys have commandos too. I think so. I mean, it's like a it's like a global thing. So it's basically a specific kind of military training. I yeah. Think. But we have commandos. I don't know. Or commanders. I mean, you would have a commander, which is like there a leader. Okay. But a, but commando is basically a, uh, like in the paradigm of like a military construct. It's just a specific like subset of kind of skills and tactics. Okay. Mm. I'm going to ask you about that here in a minute. So we're going to yeah, keep it. going and then we'll return there. Keep going. I'm glad I sound extremely uneducated. Guys, we're learning together. Also, five-time Guinness World Record holder, which we'll also go to because that's random as all random. get out. Yeah. And congratulations because you have to try oh, to do those things. You have to try. It's <laughs> true. That's true. That's true. Appreciate it. Okay. So we're going to we're gonna come back to all that. So we're going to start with the how we met. Mm -hmm. I always love that. And I sometimes, I, so we have options. I can lob the ball to you and you can tell the story of how we met or I can. Do you have a preference? Uh, I don't have a preference. No, I'm good either way. Okay. So you were roaming around on at gym mm -hmm. in Austin, Texas for yes. probably a couple of weeks by the time we had met. Mm -hmm. And so I had seen you and your buddies coming in and, uh, and then finally a couple of weeks and I'm like, well, they're just consistently here. I'm going to inquire about like, who are you? Are you a new member? What are you doing? Um, and so that's how we met. And then which shout out on it, Jim, I just have to plug it because I love it so Represent. much. Are you enjoying the experience? I'm loving it. I'm so, so much so that, so me and my friends were here for like six, seven weeks. It's the only gym we've been to. So for us to basically come along, we went to on it for like a day to kind of test it out. We were like, yeah, we'll have this as like our, our base. You look very happy about this. Our, <laughs> our base, shocked. our like fitness base for the next six, seven weeks. And we actually haven't been anywhere else. But for us to not want to go anywhere else is obviously telling. That is telling, and because I also know that you guys are constantly asking for references for food, for fun activities. You guys are yeah. doing a lot of things while you're here. Yes. So that is genuinely shocking to hear that. Yes. And then, of course, I want to be like, well, let me give you my list of gyms that you should check out, because we do have a lot of phenomenal facilities. We're going to Squatch this weekend. Awesome. Yeah. Good. Good people over there. Okay. Good to know. Yes. Good to know. Yep. Excited. Uh, okay. We can come back to that later. So to round out the how we met, so we meet, I just inquire about you directly and then you were doing conditioning that day I believe and it was kind of we'll do whatever and so we tossed around some ideas for your training for the day I was leaving the gym and then you were like well would you like to join us and I was like oh 
uh-oh, I have time. And this is a day where I can just goof around. So the answer is yes. So then we just worked out together, which was so fun. It was awesome, yeah. So within probably about 10 minutes of us kind of saying our first words to each other, we'd introduce ourselves, had a bit of a chuckle about something, Harry had come over, and the three of us had planned and started a workout, probably all within about 10 minutes. I loved it. It was cool, right? It was really cool. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, so so that's how we met. Okay, enough about, uh, that's really all we've got, other than, yeah, that's about it. So... Tell me a bit of context about you. Where did you grow up and what was that like? Okay, so I grew up uh, in Sussex, which is a county in England, basically just south of London. So between London and kind of like the south coast, that is Sussex. So I grew up in a couple of different towns uh, around there, kind of ping-ponging around a few different places uh, until I was kind of like 18, 19, 20 um, and then joined the military from there. With the Sussex bit, so my understanding is that like London surrounding areas as well, there's a lot of, is is dialect the appropriate term? Like you can tell where someone is from, even in the surrounding areas based on the specific, does that, is what I'm saying making sense? I don't, yeah, no, 100%. I don't know if dialect would be the right, I think dialect would be more, more appropriate for like, like certain parts of Spain where it's almost a completely different language. Yes. Like there, like you could basically, you could reel off an entire sentence and it wouldn't be remotely appropriate for a different area. Yes. Uh, I mean, in England, we obviously only speak English. There are slang like words and a couple of phrases and stuff and a couple of nuances of differences in articulation from one place to another. And there's a lot of those actually within such a small country. But overall, I mean, the language is the same. It's just going to be accent. Accent's going to be the only thing that's different, really. Because the accent does change. And you typically can pick up on that very quickly where someone is from based on that accent. Yes, very true. So for me, I would recognize that I speak differently to my friend Harry, obviously, who you've met as well. Okay. And that's what I think is so fun was coming to understand that. Because from an American standpoint, I'm just like, you all sound, you know cool (laughs) i don't want to say the same but just generally cool you do want to say the same don't you but to be honest the number of people that think that we're australian is like probably more than 50 percent. i have this every single time i come to america i would say more than 50 percent of the people that i speak to ask me whereabouts in australia i'm from that's actually really funny i have an australian client starting next week oh really and i actually thought oh well they need to meet one of them like they're not even from the same why yeah, it's did literally I, why as did my far away on earth <laughs> as you could so possibly far. go from where we are <sighs> okay all right so you grew up there tell me a little bit more like were you active were you an active kid like what was what was childhood actually like for you super 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 active so lots of different sports football soccer as uh, as you people call it there we go um was like my main sport soccer and track actually were like my two kind of main things when i was younger but yeah so as with a lot of kind of young guys that end up joining the military super active love lots of different sports not not amazingly not particularly great uh academically mainly because you know, I'm 35, nearly 36 now and uh, wanting to sit down for six hours and apply my focus on just one thing is bloody hard enough now that I'm in my mid-30s. When, <laughs> I was, when I was nine and you're a nine-year-old active, like super energetic boy, that's the last bloody thing you want to do. So I think that kind of, that trips a lot of young guys up. So uh, childhood around there was okay. I mean, I, it was, I think I was lucky enough that at least I grew up in a couple of safe towns. Like I don't think that they were particularly 
dangerous. There's not huge amounts of crime. There's not huge amounts of kind of like gang warfare. I wasn't very well behaved. So I actually got, uh, I got kicked out from a couple of schools when I was a kid and then ended up. Whatever did you do? Just mainly fighting. Yeah, I was quite an angry young child. Okay. Yeah, and I remember, it's really weird, like even now in my mid-30s, I can remember the feeling of feeling incredibly, like rageful at that time, kind of from whenever I started school to when I was about 10. So I got kicked out of a couple of schools and suspended, I think, like a total of like nine times for different events or something. Yeah, it was pretty, it was, I mean, it's not too, well, I say it's not too uncommon. I have never met anyone who's also had this, but I then went to a school that was basically like juvie for a year yeah. and uh, realized very quickly that I wasn't the toughest kid on the planet. So that kind of humbled me very quick. And I was like, I better get my shit together, basically. Otherwise, get back out of this school. Yeah. And uh, so I spent a year there and then kind of re-entered what's called like mainstream education system. Would your family say that you were born angry or was this something that developed through childhood? That is a great question. Um, I think they, I think they would say that I was born angry. Yeah. Okay. I think that from, I don't, I don't think they would recognize like a time around three or four or something when that happened. Uh, I think that's a good question. I don't know. Mm. I'll ask them and let you know. <laughs> to build upon that, you're now 35, nearly 36. So there's been some time from when you were growing up and getting put in basically juvie. Mm -hmm. uh, do you still identify as someone who experiences anger often? So interestingly, there was, I had, I had like an angry day since I've been here, which is, and it, it, not with a specific trigger. So it was just, I don't know, it could have been work stuff. It could have been a lack of sleep. It could have been something. Sure. It could have been like a plethora of different reasons that added up to this. And it was really interesting that in addition to experiencing this anger kind of bubble up, the kind of the higher part of my consciousness kind of turned and witnessed that and went, ah, oh, flipping heck, man, I haven't felt this in ages. And that was actually really nice going, well, I very much remember what it feels like. But one of the first things that came up is, well, it's been a while since I felt like this. So that's that's the that was for me was a front row seat to like this amazing kind of beautiful perspective change of like wow this is like so much rarer than it used to be what did you do with the anger on the day that you experienced it um not much other than kind of like wait it out going for a walk uh and either kind of listening to music or going for like a going for a run that's a way that for me, it kind of at least gets top sliced a little bit in that it, it bleeds it out slightly, but I've never really found any mechanism that uh, that kind of down regulates that quickly. It really is for me, and I've, I've tried different things. I've tried kind of breath work. I've tried, you know, going kind of lifting some heavy weights in that window. But Remember, you can speak freely. We're in Austin. Oh, it's very true. It's very true. Yeah. <laughs> Try to have the more pharmaceutically inclined things. No, I haven't. Um, but basically, I've, tr I've tried different things and mm. I, I don't think I've ever actually found anything that does really help that much in terms of when I'm in that state to downregulate it quickly. It's almost something that I'm experiencing in the, in the moment, mm. but the higher part of myself knows, right, just take a breath. At the end of the day, you're just going to have to ride this wave and you're just going to have to wait for a couple of hours and then it will kind of go. But it's a horrible feeling. Fe feeling angry sucks. Like yeah. it really, really, really sucks. Yeah. And it's hard when you're in it and you have no bloody idea how the hell to get out. And you do just have to wait. And I'm very grateful now for the fact that in the macro, I experience anger a lot less than I used to. Yes. But in all honesty, I don't know why I experience it less than I used to. Whether or not it's just an age thing, whether or not it's a kind of a hormonal change, whether or not it's just, a, you know, kind of an intellectual 
alteration and modification that comes with naturally maturing i don't know mm. i don't know but uh, but overall the sponsoring feeling of that is just gratitude that i feel anger a lot less do you feel like you experience gratitude a lot these days um intermittently so i don't know if that kind of answer makes sense i think i go through stages i might have like a month or six weeks where i feel as though it's easier to tap into that to access gratitude and to access joy and to to, to truly experience that as a feeling mm -hmm. and then sometimes i might have a month or six weeks where that's a lot harder where i'll almost tell myself that i'm grateful but it's me, but I'm very much aware that it's me trying to convince myself that I am mm -hmm. as opposed to truly feeling it. Mm -hmm. And so that ebbs and flows. Yeah, 100%. I'm assuming you're not for, that the concept of having a gratitude practice is not foreign to you? It's not foreign to me at all, no. Speaking of, that's literally what this whole thing is. Like, ah, that's today's gratitude. Here's one you made earlier. This is the past week. These are every single week. Oh, anyway. that's amazing. Uh, yeah, so I've that's been doing that work. for uh, some years now. Anyway, uh, that being said, that's a really cool, what this reminds me of with the gratitude practice concept that's not foreign, but mm. is, and this is analogy that, an analogy, I need to get different ones because I don't even love this one, but I just keep using it. Yeah. <laughs> so here we are. Uh, it, it's the idea of I'm layering on these habits, these practices, these thoughts, whatever, over the top of I'm an egg. You know, and I'm just going to keep layering it on top and on top. And when the egg finally cracks, then it gets to come in, you know. And so now I like operate in this state of gratitude freakish amounts, which is crazy because a few years ago prior to the practice, I wouldn't have identified as an ungrateful individual, but definitely not necessarily as a grateful one where now it's just annoying. <laughs> but what a wonderful thing what right? annoyingly just like perpetually grateful it's just like it's almost disgusting i'm like well it's at least <laughs> nice that like that's great <laughs> yeah uh you can find gratitude in anything okay so your your story okay so you grow up you're you're a bit angry but generally uh life is good you're an active kid okay you what is the the bobsleigh was that before royal marines what is that no that was a, that was after so it was my so um i was a british marine for about five years and during my during my final year uh when i knew i was leaving i because track like i was a sprinter and decathlete kind of uh, in in my youth so went from that like super kind of speed and power based work into um the military which is obviously super endurance based work but a lot of my heart and a lot of my passion was still in kind of track and more power output stuff. So started getting into that in my final year and basically got uh, scouted at a track event. And they were like, you're really good at running the first 30 meters of 100 meters and then you're shit. But luckily <laughs> for bobsled, that's all you really need. You only really need the first kind of uh, 30, 40 yards. So they asked me to go to uh, open trials for kind of like the Great Britain development squad. And there was like, this was back in 2012 and there was maybe 150, 200 guys that um, like rugby players, track athletes, American football guys that trialed that year and they just continued to chop, 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 chop as the year went on over the course of like this seven, eight month selection process. And by the end, I think there was six of us that ended up making it on season that year. That's an accomplishment. Thank you. That's very cool. Thanks. So... I want to kind of hammer through this stuff just because we have so much more current life that I want to hang out in. Your, that's an incredible accomplishment. That's really cool. Thanks. 
and I had no awareness. You could have literally given me basically any storyline with how this comes to be a thing. And I've been like, yeah, okay, cool. The American in me, clueless. Uh, okay. What? It's not happening directly around me? It's not real. Okay. So five Guinness world records. Yes. Tell me about those. Okay. So. Big deal. Hmm. This guy's a big deal. I I very much try and reinforce to myself that I am. I'm not sure other people would agree, but thank you. Um, so... I can't take all the credit. So they were done as a team. So it was myself and um, a couple of other, uh, a team of mainly other ex-British Marines that basically kind of formed in an attempt to do some weird and wonderful, crazy events to raise some money for uh, PTSD charities and kind of suicide prevention stuff for veterans. And we did some endurance deadlifting events. So it's kind of like the most amount of weight that a team can deadlift in 12 hours, as an example. And then we did, uh, so we did the one hours, we did the 12 hours, uh, we did a 24 hour deadlifting one that wasn't given because Guinness basically helped put together a minimum standard. So they started introducing these minimum standards for world records, which makes sense because otherwise you could go for a 48 hour world record and do like one rep of something and then just put your feet up. But because no one had done it before, they'd, they'd have to give it to you. So they set these minimum standards, but the minimum standard they set for, for the 24-hour world record was more than double our own 12-hour world record. And we were like, that's like running a marathon at a quicker pace than the half marathon world record. How does that make sense? Sure. So we didn't, So we, but the annoying thing is we did the whole 24 hours and then found out about it. How'd your back feel? Uh, so interestingly, my back was fine. My glutes were fine. My hamstrings were fine. In a 24-hour event, right, you get weird and wonderful kind of pains and symptoms that you'd never expect. So one of the things that happens in deadlifting that you would never realize is that the your forearm, right? So the skin on the inside of your forearm obviously like touches the outside of your knee. My skin started to fall off on my arm. So it literally just started to peel off because of the friction. And even though it was like only a tiny amount of pressure, if you do it a couple of thousand times, it's basically enough that you basically just get these kind of blood blisters and then the skin starts to peel super random so by the end of it everyone was doing like snatch grip i was deadlift. gonna say your grip is going out yeah so ba i mean you grip your hands on like the uh kind of the knurling is is horrible like horrible anyway flipping horrendous but by the end of it the weird like but you kind of expected that the thing that we didn't expect was the skin thing on your forearm on a deadlift so super weird right yes yeah <laughs> yes so so that was uh that was some of the events and then we actually did um i want to pause there because i also have curiosity your nervous system how did yeah. it cope with that over the days following over the days following um i mean not too bad obviously you're sleep deprived because basically it's a 24 hour event so if you're starting at like 1 p.m so the following 1 p.m you miss an entire night's sleep and you sure. might be able to we did it in little teams and you kind of rotation so you might be able to grab 30 minutes sleep now and again um you're kind of exhausted, but you kind of prep for that. But the really interesting thing was seeing the difference between the military guys and the non-military guys. We had a, we had a couple of civilians that were just incredible athletes, incredible hybrid athletes, so amazing endurance and uh, like super, super, super strong, great deadlifters. But as soon as you get sleep deprivation and some real pain tolerance work in there, just on a chronic level that just lasts for hours, they just buckled and they were just they were just they were dead. Like by the end, we didn't even. On the deadlift one, we didn't. We started with a team of twelve. We finished, I think, with a team of eight or nine. A couple of the guys just tapped out, and they were like, "I can't even lift a sixty kilo barbell." And that likely came down to exposure to those types of circumstances, hundred percent conditions, I suppose. Yeah, I, th I think that's it. And just 
experiencing a little bit of discomfort, mm-hmm. but just permanently, mm-hmm. just ambiently. Yeah. So that happened. So a couple of the records were for deadlifting. And then we actually got a triple world record when we did the most amount of weight that um, a team could push on a sled for 24 hours. Okay. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Very cool. Mm. Interesting. Okay. So yet again, we got to keep moving because there's just, there's areas I want to Let's get keep to. going. So sorry, because these are noteworthy things that we can unpack further, but that's not where I want to hang out. <laughs> so you've chosen to build a business after your military career around working with post-military people yes why you do that why i do that so (laughs) i i actually so i had a business back in sussex so i after the military after uh bobsled i moved back to sussex i moved back to my hometown just south of london and i had a group exercise business there Uh, and that was great and i was running that for six seven years built it up team of six or seven of us great and i sold it uh, about a year and a half ago and the reason for that is I wanted it to be a little bit more remote and it was it was very much in that danger zone of being not quite shit enough for me to really want to get out, but not great enough to remotely light me up. And so some people call this like comfortable complacency. It's not bad enough to really give you activation energy. But if I was like prophesizing forwards, I was like, bloody hell, I don't want to be here in five years because I don't want to be feeling the way that I am right now about what I spend my days doing. Which was just relative indifference. Exactly that. Yeah, perfectly said. That was exactly, and I was like, well, hang on a sec. If I don't want to be, if I don't want to be doing that in five years because I don't like the feeling, but it's also the feeling that I'm in right now and that's the space that I'm in right now, then I probably should get out of this space right now. So as soon as the decision was made, I'd sold the company to one of the guys that worked for me within about eight weeks, actually. Yeah, I think that's, a highly relatable nugget right there. Of course, a lot of people in this moment, unfortunately, in the world relate to being in places of severe discomfort, right? Mm. But the idea that the indifference part is also just a yucky feeling when you come to understand, this is fine. That's all. Yeah, Am I okay that's with it. fine? And sadly, the answer for many is yes, and maybe they're not taking a deep enough look. And who am I to say what's right and true for anyone else? I don't know. But uh, it's an interesting thought. Yeah, I mean, it's just, and and I see, and I see it in a lot of my friends. And I I used to try and convince them. Yeah, like strong arm them and flip and drag these people out of situations yeah. that I could tell just weren't making them happy. But uh, it's it's so difficult because it has to be self-deterministic like you have to make that decision yourself realistically like the locus of anyone's control like you can't you could hold a bloody intervention for one of your friends that hates their job Mm -hmm. but if they don't want to leave then then they won't leave like there's nothing you can say or do it kind of has to come from them and that's why again the irony of the whole thing is that sometimes it's beneficial for their situation to actually be a little bit worse because then they'd have enough activation energy to get the hell out of it yep Yeah, and I feel I can certainly, we can probably both think of people in our lives who we feel like maybe we know that something might be better for them. Well, here we go with our opinions. But like, to me, the answer has to be in this moment, just live a quality of life that is so wildly attractive that maybe then it's inspiring and then kind of keep your nose out of it because it's burning up energy foolishly to try to convince them of something Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to be an aspirational picture, I think like for the people around you and for the people that you love and care about is, you know, can be really, really beneficial. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, one of the things that's that's really helped 
is, and this this might sound kind of a little bit selfish, and it's not meant to in the direct sense, but anybody else's journey is not my responsibility. And as soon as you think it is, it's really dangerous because you become if you become again for me if i become overly emotionally attached to the journey of one of my friends i'm screwed because then my happiness and my peace is dictated upon the actions of somebody else mm. and that's really dangerous so i can absolutely be compassionate and considerate and feel true love and empathy for them and want the best for them but for me a level of detachment from that has actually been incredibly beneficial. It's been super productive because I can't care about someone else's journey more than they do. I can care, but I can't care more than they do. I love that. That definitely makes me think of right now, I spent a lot of time and energy recently around the concept of codependency. Mm. And so I don't know that I have any sort of uh, profound claims to anything other than just taking, turning my gaze at it and taking a look at it and going, okay, you can identify ways in which you've shown up codependently. Do you, how do you feel about that? You know? I think for me, I, I recognize it. I witness it in the people that I know. I'm not particularly close to my family and I've always struggled to uh, allow myself to be supported in the paradigm of romantic relationships. It's not really something that I've experienced. I've never... I've never experienced codependency, probably from fear that mm. I'm going to, you know, that something's going to go wrong, right? Let me ask you, this is funny, side note, guys, we just had a whole conversation before we started recording about this type of stuff, which was fascinating. We did, yeah, we should have got that. I know, it's so good. Man. But my curiosity then is, okay, so potentially fear-based, who knows, you've simply chosen to not attach significantly historically. In this moment, as you sit here now, this version of you, how do you feel about that? Like, does um, that cause you discomfort? Are you at peace with it? Do you feel like it's given you a quality of life that is better? Do you wish that it was different? Because, and I think there's a lot of individualization, but I'm curious. I think for my own sanity, I, <clears throat> I try not to feel too much about everything that has happened up until now because of the extremely acute awareness that, the extremely acute awareness of just how futile that can be because I can't change it. Do I want to modify the way in which I would enter into a romantic relationship from now? 100%. Sure. So I'm very aware that uh, the way that I have existed in the paradigm of romantic relationships is not the way that I want to anymore and hasn't served me, but I wouldn't necessarily say that I wish it was different because it's, I don't know, maybe I'm scared to even acknowledge what things may have looked like. I'm very aware that I've hurt people and there have been, you know, people usually end up hurt in romantic relationships in the ones that end up ending. That's sure. why obviously in some, in most paradigms they end up ending. <clears throat> so I do, uh, I do feel very, and I feel very bad sounds like, just like I don't give a shit, but I do, I have at times felt absolutely you know deplorable and horrendous at the way in which i've made other people feel mm. but i there has to be a level of acceptance yep. in everything that has happened up until now mm -hmm. the only control that i have the only thing that i can do to maintain my own sanity with this is to remember that i'm now in control of how i sh how i decide to show up in future paradigms what would be some nuggets that you feel like you've taken away 
from like how you've shown up historically that you're willing to share that you're like, yeah, that wasn't the move. And then some things that maybe you've thought about because of past experience that you're like, this is something I would like to implement. Mm. And this can be applied to romantic partnership. Absolutely. But it could also just be applied to relationship in general, because anytime yeah. I want to have a successful relationship with a person it can be with my own mother and and often the same principles will be applied there as would maybe a romantic not all but many maybe yeah no it's very true i think that i think that it is in some situations it is more important to be kind than it is to be right i think that this i think that an overarching acceptance of the fact that we are extraordinarily emotional beings just generally like right well like we've got more than enough money we've got more than enough resources to make sure that every single person on this planet has an incredible quality of life and we still can't stop killing each other so that is just the that is demonstrable immediately the fact that at a really quite acute level everyone is very emotional and that's okay so it's not seeing that as a failing of the fact that we're not overly clinical and overly kind of just straight and narrow, but just accepting that as a truly beautiful part of the human condition, mm. I think especially now would lead me into handling uh, myself in romantic relationships with women very differently in that I'd be much more, nat instead of like tr almost attempting to tell myself to be empathetic, I'd be like, I think I'd truly experience that and mm. be completely okay with someone being emotional and be like, well, of course, of course they're emotional. And I think I'd have that as my narrative of like, well, of course they feel something about this as opposed to why the hell are they feeling for something about this? Which is, <laughs> which is maybe where it has been before. Yeah, that makes me, we'll come back to what we were speaking about before, the, the concept of think then do, right? Mm -hmm. And the then operating as a moment for pause of I can think a thing, whether it's what you should do or what I should do or reaction or blah. And the idea of allowing there to be a then, AKA a pause before I take an action on that, the emotion side of things, how that changes our physiology. It's crazy. We are so driven by that then takes me back to your anger statement of, I felt anger. I took some action and knew that I just need to let this thing air out and not allowing our emotions to dictate our actions to the best of our ability seems like a useful thing to try to practice absolutely yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely and i think easier said than done but yeah ooh. i mean yeah a hell of a lot easier said than done i mean romantic relationships are an interesting kind of conversation topic generally i think so i was asked a couple of years ago with um or i had this conversation with somebody probably about two years ago now the way that i see it is one of the things that's happened with kind of like the rollout of this hyper connectivity of everyone can speak to everyone through things like social media right what is one of the paradigms of like the human condition and the way in which we operate that is probably going to change with with the, the mass adoption of all of this stuff and i think romantic relationships is one of those things and there are a couple of different ways in which i kind of prophesize i see that happening one of them is that i mean if you kind of go back to you know even quite recent times are you, are you familiar with like dunbar's number have you heard of something called Dunbar's number? No. No. So Dunbar's number is this number that is this like anthropological principle that suggests that human beings have always 
probably intuitively subconsciously uh, congregated in groups of around about 150. So even if there was like a, like a big agricultural village of like 3000 people, they'd like splinter off into groups of around about 150. If you're in like a little Amazonian tribe of 40 people, you'd like get into clusters, tribal clusters of around about 150. People don't really know why, but it just seems to be something that seems like a constant through kind of the, the, the evolution of the human species. So the number of people that might be suitable for being effectively like your mate, opposite sex, assuming that's the case, similar age, you're probably looking at about seven, right? So the choice is actually quite low. Mm. Now that what if there's someone better or what if there's someone better for me, blah, blah, blah. We're now not attempting to make that decision through the, like, through the lens of seven different options. There's there's a hundred million at any one time. Mm -hmm. And I think that is just going to cause like this paralysis of people to, to truly commit. And I know that it's done that probably consciously or not with me. <clears throat> I've spoken to some of my friends where that's absolutely been the case as well. And I think that the more information that we expose ourselves to, especially people who are a little bit more, that would probably consider themselves better thinkers that are interested, that are perpetually curious people, the kind of people that are going to be listening to your podcast, mm -hmm. the kind of people that listen to podcasts generally that like to expose themselves to new information because we have instant access to all of the information through human time at like the click of a button or like the tap of a flipping thumb. The amount of information that we can now get is going to shape and refine and iterate and reform our belief system and our value system. Absolutely. So who we decide to be is going to be shaped far more broadly than it used to be when you were born, lived and died in the same village. So that the likelihood that you are gonna find somebody <clears throat> that you feel intellectually compatible with is now, and that you are then gonna continue on the same path as is, it might sound kind of a bit negative, but I think probably less likely, uh, or at the very least, you're less likely to find somebody that you stay on the same path with when you're 18. Interesting. I definitely strongly agree with the concept of the fact that like because of access to information today I'm I'm overwhelmingly grateful <laughs> there we go again told you it'd come up uh for the fact that I get access to Layla Hormozzi or Cody Sanchez or these different people who through social media etc they give me options to new ideas. You know, it's like, oh, I, I actually was born with this, but I don't, or not born with, but I was raised with this. And I don't know if I agree. I think it's so empowering and exciting so that I, I have not put energy towards like, well, how does that impact relationships, you know, downstream, whatever, more than just so much gratitude that like, hey, you can, uh, you can come up with some different and you can adopt new ideas and, and think about, okay, that was how they did it. Do I like that? It's, it hasn't, it's not even remotely similar to what I was raised with, but I think that that seems to jive more is an exciting thought. So I'm pulling it away from relationship entirely, but it is cool. Yeah. From an individualistic standpoint, it's, it's amazing. The fact that we've got access to all of this stuff, if we yield it properly, uh, and if we, you know, if we're just scrolling on TikTok for eight hours a day, or if we use that time listening to podcasts and watching different YouTube videos and being like, oh, that's actually a really interesting topic. I'd never heard of that person before. They were interviewed by my favorite podcaster. I'll go see more of their stuff. And then you kind of, you you vacillate and oscillate through these different things. That's incredible. I, f I genuinely feel very grateful for that, actually, because I think that is um, one of the things that we are 
it's almost like it's kind of happened so quickly. I don't think it took me a while to realize just how blessed we are to be in the time where we have this actually. Yeah. What are some ideas that you could identify that maybe you uh, were raised with or something that have shifted dramatically thanks to your access to information? Um, I think a general, mm, that's a great question. I think, I don't really know if this kind of answers the question, but I, well, in terms, in terms of the, some, in terms of the acceptance that people are ambiently and ubiquitously quite emotional, I think that that makes learning that and kind of hearing that from a few people and having that reframe has changed the way that I experience a lot of different things. I think that, uh, I don't know if there's anything that's really kind of changed my mind too much actually too recently, but I have a very loose, this might sound a bit kind of passive, but I have a, I choose to have quite a loose opinion on most of my views. And the reason for that is I don't consider myself intelligent enough to be 100% sure of anything. So I'm very willing to have my mind changed. Something that I, like a, a kind of a mantra that I anchor into very regularly is the greatest gift you can give yourself is permission to change your mind. Totally. And uh, because of that, you know, I have like, I have certain opinions that I lay, that I would probably lay claim to now, but they are, they are quite loosely held. And I have a very loose grasp on most of them mm -hmm. because I, I don't claim to be, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm intelligent or educated or, you know, wise enough to, uh, to be able to have too strong an opinion. I, I think certainty is the enemy of growth. Yeah. I, that last part I would agree with. I think you're plenty smart, but oh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think so. I don't know. Maybe yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if we'll you still agree in 30 yeah. minutes. <laughs> Who knows where this is going? Oh, okay. Well, we'll come back to your, thank you for entertaining my tangent. Uh, so with your business, yes. you did you experience basically from the time of the you're in the military to the time that you get out, you obviously like you've chosen to now build this business around helping these people once they come out. Was there a time frame there before you opened your in-person studio situation? Was there a time where you feel because the common theme for someone who was involved in sport or who was involved in military or something is often whenever they leave that community that camaraderie etc then they feel kind of like well wait where what is this and that's who you work with did you experience that or did you just head first into your next venture at such speed where maybe you didn't uh i did very much experience it so for context this <clears throat> this kind of this um ambition to help military veterans who've kind of struggled with a bit of workout consistency struggled with their mental health through a loss of sense of identity a loss of community a loss of sense of purpose this is extraordinarily new so i've ha i had my in-person business that i sold about a year and a half ago i've done a few different things since then and it was only about three or four months ago that i decided to basically rebuild my online brand towards this of which that rebuild is still going on right now so it's that recent literally within the last few months but have i have i experienced that kind of 100 percent? so i I'm not very close to anyone in my family. And I think that led to even more of a, um, even more of a kind of a sense of feeling kind of lost. And that, uh, that can be kind of crippling because I think regardless of how strong anybody thinks they are or says they are, or in fact are, I think that, you know, really hitting life completely solo 
is I don't I don't think it's particularly why I don't think anyone's wired that way. I don't think anyone's wired to thrive completely alone. It feels downright dangerous. It does, yeah. Based on information around us, like mm. it feels downright dangerous. So there is purpose behind this. Yes, it's new. You're still navigating a lot of, which is exciting. Yeah, super uh, exciting. Yeah. But to have found a niche that you're like, I vibe with this. I'm going to go heavy on this. And these are my people. And I'm going to help them. And I have the ability to help them because I understand them intimately. Uh, you're here in the US with some of your mates. Some of my mates. <laughs> Bloody well said. So you community has clearly shifted. I mean, you're, you're choosing to it where we met is obviously very community heavy. We're very yep. much so are in on that deal. So that was part of it then, right? Was I need to offer some sort of community, some place for these people to come together who are in a moment of their lives where they're like, I don't know where I am, who I am, what is going on? Yeah. So the service that I'm going to be offering is going to be primarily online. And the reason for that, obviously, is that, you know, it, it would have been amazing to have something in person. But A, I don't know where I'm going to settle. Uh, and B, you do obviously significantly limit the number of people that you can help. So I will do everything I can to create enough of, an, of, a, of a really solid infrastructure online that still creates a feeling of being plugged into a community. So that's kind of, uh, that's, that's the ambition. But I mean, being here is... That's one of the things that I will say that America can be really good for generally, especially the places that I've been and especially Austin because so many people in Austin aren't from Austin mm -hmm. and at some point potentially moved here alone. Mm -hmm. So I imagine somebody kind of brought them in and swallowed them up and took them under somebody else's wing. So the fact that people are very willing to uh, meet and network and give advice and, and kind of connect, that's, a, that's one of the beautiful parts of this city that I've experienced. Actually, that gym that you're going to go visit this weekend, I believe, yep. one of the owners over there, I loved what he had to say about Austin, about people seem to come here to find, to come here mm. seeking, you know, come here to find themselves, find whatever it is that they're looking for. And, and I find that to be abundantly true, that there's a lot of people who come here seeking something. And the beautiful thing is you, you've been here for a short period of time and you've probably found some pretty cool stuff while you've been here. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And I think... The thing that truly gives me, this is something that I witnessed within myself, the thing that truly gives me joy, I can appreciate an amazing sunset or a mountain or kayaking. And those things, those things do allow me to access joy very quickly and it's incredible. But moments with people are really the thing that nourish me. Mm -hmm. And uh, pe people's general willingness to, to have a conversation and to get to know you and to kind of give, give you advice and hang out with you outside of the gym or whatever. Austin generally seems to be amazing for that and on it specifically seems to be like an absolute flipping hub of people who are willing to do that. Mm -hmm. It is. I, I often hear it is absolutely shocking to like people who, because a lot of people from California moved to this area during the pandemic, whatever, you know, and, and it seemed to be a common theme of the differences. And I never lived out there. I've only spoken to a lot of people who have, but the the common theme is that they're actually genuinely like listening and curious, not just transactional, but understand that they do have the time, the capacity, and that it will be a worthwhile endeavor to actually hear the other person. Mm. And I think that's really cool that it's not just what can I get from this? Of course, we're literally doing a podcast right now, uh, which is a collaborative thing that will potentially be useful to both of us, not just in we just enjoy this experience, but even, you know, there's there's a variety of ways in which this is cool. You know, we're creating yeah. content and that's something that we do for business. Yay. You know, but 
that all stemmed from a genuine curiosity of what are you doing here? You know? Yeah. And so to know that you do have the time and it will be a worthwhile endeavor to hear the person directly in front of you. I can think of specific individuals. Hannah Eden would be one of them. She's a, uh, a trainer and she's actually, I think from the UK originally. Who, who is this woman? Hannah Eden. I'm not familiar. I can show her pages to you afterwards. She is over on it as well. And, but I don't know if you would have seen her. She recently had a baby. I don't know if you would have seen her in the time that you've been here. Anyway, she is wonderful. One of the things that I love about her, she's got a very large personal brand, been doing this for a long time is I've always loved observing her connect with her community. Whenever people, cause she does retreats, they come in from all over the place and how present she is. And then what I experience when I'm with her is exactly that. So it's like a really cool thing where I can look at them and go, huh, you know, this person has a lot going on mm. and yet her ability to be truly present with a human every time I see her with a person or I'm experiencing it myself. I'm like, you're really here. Like you're not somewhere else in your brain. Cause I can tell whenever you're somewhere else, so much of our communication has nothing to do with the words I'm saying right now and everything to do with the fact that I'm looking at you and I'm using my hands, you know, like there's so much more to the communication. And so for her to do that, uh, has always been something I'm like, I, taking notes because that's cool mm. you're making people feel real good and i can guarantee you she's walking away from that feeling pretty good yeah well it is mutually beneficial right so that interaction is mutual i mean it, it it lights both of you up and whether or not that's a spiritual thing an evolutionary thing to kind of keep you in the tribe however you want to look at it it doesn't really matter mm -hmm. but it is uh it has a net positive effect on kind of both people i think what's really interesting is the so obviously her clients customers her community kind of whoever these people are they obviously get such a benefit from being around her by kind of what you're saying. Yep. So another thing that I think has really changed literally within the last kind of 30, 40, 50 years, which in terms of our species is like the blinker, it's a fraction of a second, right? Yeah. It's like a flipping fly bat on its wings. It's like a tiny, tiny, tiny minuscule kind of percentage of the whole time that we've been around and the way that we've been wired. Community as a term is something that we've always needed. Connection is something that we've always needed, but it's all, almost always 99.9999% of the time has been based around geographical location. Mm -hmm. That is your tribe. That is your community now. And that's something that you don't get to choose, but now community is based around interests and that is something you get to choose. So it's just, it's just so funny that this thing just overnight has just completely flipped on its head. And one of the things that is so integral to us being physically, mentally, emotional, spiritually healthy and joyful and thriving, the paradigm in which we now access that and the metrics for that are completely different. I think that's so exciting. We it don't is. know how this is gonna play out over time like we've talked about, but like what, uh an absolute blessing. It's so exciting. You are now building your community, which will realistically come together in real life. And what a really special thing that will be when that occurs. Right. Mm -hmm. So going back to, I, I want to pull some of the tools that you're using with your guys today. So they come to you because they've gotten out of the military and they're struggling with their physical well-being. They're struggling with their emotional, mental well-being, whatever. Uh, what are some of the very first things that you're telling these people? Hey, this is a tool that I would recommend that you pick up right now. Absolute first thing, I don't even have to think about this, it's a reinforcement of self-forgiveness and to explain the mechanism of why it absolutely makes sense that they feel that way. Because if it leads them to feeling weak, 
they still feel disconnected. They still feel a loss of sense of identity. They feel no community, loss of sense of brotherhood. They feel as though, you know, they feel unmotivated. They feel undisciplined. They they feel all the things they were feeling. And now you pile on shame because they feel as though they're weak for even feeling bad about it. So injecting some self-forgiveness of like, considering the way that we're wired as human beings anyway, considering the way that we've been conditioned and led and ruled in the military, because of those things, you are obviously going to feel this way. And for them, just understanding the mechanism of action of why they feel lonely, why they feel sad, why they're struggling to stay in shape, even though that was a huge part of what they used to do. Understanding the mechanism of action for why all of these things have gone downhill allows them to start forgiving themselves for now being in that state. So that reinforcement of it's completely okay. Obviously you feel like this is because of the way that we've been wired and the way that we've been uh, kind of designed and the way that we've been governed in that previous job. Um, and they're like, okay, cool. So it makes sense. It's, so it's okay that I feel like this. It makes sense. This is why I now understand, which helps. And I'm now, because of that, I'm now gonna begin the process of starting to forgive myself for this, which obviously helps again. So getting them to a baseline of understanding and self-forgiveness is the first thing that you need to do. I love the way you worded that. Thank you. That was so different than the way it's, it's a similar concept and yet it was worded differently. It is so similar to what? I mean, I work with clients too. And so certainly it's like, Hey, all the time, for example, when my coaching online and in real life, but anyway, it's, it's always, Hey, whatever the, so often someone will come to a call, right? A one-to-one -one call. And this is, I'm not telling you anything. You aren't going to be like, Oh yeah, of course. And they argue with themselves for however long that they need to argue with themselves until they get to whatever the thing is, you know, it's this justification of, or ex explanation or whatever. And then eventually they arrive at the sentence that we were trying to get to. And it's like, okay, Hey, uh, and, and it's often, the sentence before the one that mattered was, and I know that this is dumb or I know that this is silly or this shouldn't, I shouldn't think this, or this is no big deal, but whatever, uh, diminishment of the thing. And then when they arrive at the thing, I'm like, Oh, Hey, found it. Also, that's the deal. That's where we're hanging out now because that's, what's impacting all of this. You're going to have to do that cute little thing where you acknowledge it and you let go of shame and you forgive yourself yeah, and also yeah. it's very like the validation that validation it's it's a whenever I came into recovery with my alcoholism right to be told like everything that this all makes sense here's here's what's actually going on with you and I'm like mm. no way no way yeah. oh we can do something with this yeah so that's my flavor of it but nonetheless it's it's a uh, it's beautiful so I like the way that you worded it. That's amazing. Thank you. Can I ask you a question about uh, your recovery? Absolutely not. Don't go there. Oh, my word. Jesus. That's, <laughs> that was terrifying. Uh, in regards to the self-forgiveness thing, in terms of the people that you witness in that world, do you see any fundamental differences in the journey of men and the journey of women? Between the sexes. Yeah. Is it harder for one of them to forgive themselves? Is it harder for one of them to communicate with their friends and family, their own struggles? Like I'm just, I'm genuinely interested to see yep. whether or not there would be any kind of like uh, observed differences that you've, that you've noticed. I'm going to say no. And then I'm also going to give a bit more context into it that I work exclusively with women in that construct. Okay. So because I'm a heterosexual woman, I work exclusively with women. Now that doesn't mean that if someone is struggling and they're looking for a resource, regardless of sex, I can help get them a resource. Uh, definitely. But from their 
getting into behind the curtain mm-hmm. of it all. That is something I do exclusively with women given my own. Uh, it just, so, so no, I haven't noticed that. And yet then the honest truth is that when I get really deep into stuff, uh, I'm, I'm doing that specifically with women. So, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So, so first thing is you self-forgiveness, acceptance, acknowledgement, and then what? And then it kind of depends. Get off your ass. Yeah. Come on. It's enough. Literally. So to get literally and the walls will close in on you. If you (laughs) sit there, move. So there's a bit of a character assessment that I undergo. So some people, uh, I believe will, or some people tend to operate better if they're under their own steam and they're working towards a goal that effectively they've set. So as an example, if they put together their own tool sets, I'm like, so effectively the objective is to get you moving more regularly to improve the quality of your kind of, to habituate physical activities again. So we've got that as part of our daily daily routine. Our body is better. Our mental health is better because of that. We've got that reinforcement mechanism of the fact that we're going through hard shit through this exercise. Therefore, we reinforce that we are capable of going through hard things. And obviously, the massive positive cascade of different uh, symptoms that come from that. Some people with so that's the objective. I will then say to some people, what do you think you need from me or do you need from you to make that happen? So some people I will assess as being uh, them being capable and it being preferable to almost have them actually come up with I think I need to do this. I think I need to do this. I think I need to do this. And because they've effectively set the tools, they're more likely to execute. So they'll be like, I need to, I probably need to tell my wife that I'm going to be exercising every day now because I need support from her. Okay, sick. And then that's locked in. So some people will respond very well and feel really confident with having kind of written their own tool set. Some people won't and they're, they just want to be told. And they'll actually, if they set their own tool set, they're more likely to wriggle out of it. So I'm the one that needs to set it for them. So I'll do a bit of a kind of a character assessment and decide kind of intuitively, there's not really, it's a bit more of an art form than a science, uh, which which method is going to work well with which person, with which client. Mm. That makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's interesting to think about. Okay, so sadly, due to, due to time constraints that do exist, I'm going to have to like land the ship relatively soon, which is kind of annoying. And I'm, I'm sorry about that. Stayed. I'm so sorry. Uh, you're like, yeah, I could leave. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were just getting started. Uh, I know. Well, and we could dive a lot deeper into all of that, but based on the, some of the stuff I do want to extract from you. Yes. Here. Go extract away. Uh, so you run an online coaching business. It is relatively new, but my question is, do you enjoy that? I do. I do more now that I feel as though I'll be working with the people that I want to work with. So as opposed to it just being transactional, uh, and I have had that in the the paradigm of coaching, which I've been doing for kind of the last 10 years. Some people I've enjoyed working with, some people I haven't really enjoyed working with. Now that I've refined this new particular collective of people and the the linchpin of all of it isn't operations and systems and making money and freedom of location and blah, 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 blah. The linchpin of this particular new endeavor is I want to help this group of people. So now I'm effectively building the business and all of the deliverables around the service to the right group. And it's the first time I've ever done that. And it's mm. quite cool. I'm like, oh, this is, must be what people have been talking about when they've been like, this is the this is the thing that I want to do with the right people. So I enjoy this a million times more now than I ever have done before in coaching. 
Yeah. That's really cool. I feel like that speaks to the whole, when you're a beginner, you kind of just need to do a lot of things and, and then eventually you'll arrive at a more clear and obvious, and then you eventually get to become an expert, but like you must go through the trajectory to arrive at that. So now you're like somewhere further along the journey to where you're like, okay, this is it. Uh, but those other stages that were pri- like, you did have to get through those to find yourself here. Yeah. And so action. Yeah. So I've had, I've definitely had context with coaching people and it's been okay it's been fun it's been kind of nourishing but it doesn't feel like this and i'm like Mm -hmm. oh this must be the feeling that people were talking about when they were really expressing how amazingly nourishing it is to work with a particular group of people Uh, and now i'm like oh i get it now okay that's so funny i'm thinking about mine and we've talked about it out out Mm. there and it's so broad you know and i'm like i love them all and like i really (laughs) do but i'm obsessed with humans it's disgusting but but there are definitely some you know i can think of one right now that i'm working with uh that's that's got a lot of weight that we're actively working on getting off like a lot and uh it's brought me to tears recently, you know? So that's interesting. I'm just paying attention. I'm loving all of these different demographics and having a ton of fun with it all. That's amazing. But uh, that one in particular, and it, and it speaks to me at a deep level simply because it's uh, intimate awareness of it from from familial surroundings. Mm. You know, it's something like I look at this individual and I just see my father, you know? Mm. And uh, their choice to take action, to not accept which by the way, my, my dad's doing much better now, but, but, uh, anyway, it's just, I see a lot of what I'm in, in, very aware of and how it's like, wow, you're, you're choosing to pick up tools and do something different. That's amazing. And the quality of life that you're going to get to have as a direct result of your willingness here is totally badass. And just this, and, and how different that is, right. Where they are right now, where they were six months ago, uh, versus where they will be as well. It's just, there's, so the you know the ramp ahead of them is insane Mm. so anyway okay uh so what is something that has changed over the last 12 months of your life that's been like an upgrade that you've been stoked on personally an upgrade um i think one of the things that i've started to do differently which has been an upgrade in terms of like my practice is with my male friends, and I think that women are so much better at this generally. We are, whatever it is. Yeah, are. I love that. You love that. Without any further <laughs> context need needed, know, yeah. correct. I we're know where you're it. going, but regardless, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know it, but regardless, <laughs> you're probably bang on. So I think that I think that women generally are much better at realizing that friendships require nurturing. Right. We even kind of very very briefly spoke about this uh, just off air before this. Actually, my male friends. And I think in generalities, guys generally are a little bit shitter at this. So what I've done is I've been overly assertive in ensuring that I nurture the male friendships that are important to me. And I've actually really, because I'm just brutally, radically flipping honest with them. And I'm like, this, I consider you like a brother. I'm going to need this from you. And this is a really weird thing in the paradigm of like man to man friendships. But I've been like, I'm like, it would be, it's like, it would be nice to hear from you once a month. And they kind of laugh and I'm like, seriously, man, like if you don't water this friendship, it's dead. Yeah. And they kind of like look at me funny. I'm like, kind of giggle. And I'm like, it's not, I'm like, it's not a threat. It's just like a, it's like a promise. Like I want that, right? Yeah. Like it's ne- it's necessary for, uh, for friendships to be something that doesn't just entropy. And I think a lot of guys think that if they're not speaking to someone, everything's just on pause and they kind of pick up where they left off and they might be able to conversationally, but in terms of the the level of connection that I want, 
with and this probably comes from again not really being particularly close to family my friendships are like sacred mm -hmm. so wanting close friendships with my male friends that isn't something that uh i think you can just not bother speaking to someone for two years and then hope that it's all good and you can kind of go and have a beer that's not the that's absolutely fine i'm not saying that's subjectively wrong it's just not the friendship that i want so one of the things that's been very very kind of nurturing and nourishing for me in the last 12 months is having that realization that this is what I want from a man-to-man a -man friendship with some of my guy friends so that I'm actually going to be kind of vulnerable and communicate to them that that's what I want mm -hmm. and uh, I'm much more proactive now in making sure that I I know I hold up my end of the bargain and actually and take an interest in their life and I've seen in literally every single one of my male friends that I've had this conversation with I feel significantly closer to them even through the process of communicating them like bro in all honesty like for for us to be kind of the brothers that we say we are this is this is kind of what i need mm. and it's really i say it's really rare i don't know how rare it is but i've never i've never seen any of my friends do that i've never heard of that mm -hmm. so i was like it was a bit of a um it was something that in all honesty i felt proud of myself for doing that I love that. And I love that there's very clear action steps accompanying that because like we've talked about this connection community concept is becoming more acknowledged and understood that it's important to our well-being. And certainly, yes, men struggle with it more than women. And so to know not only do I need to prioritize this thing and yet then I need some actionable, you know, if I'm going to nurture the relationship one clarity is kindness me being clear with myself about my expectations of the situation is important and then communicating that to you so that you understand where i stand and then giving if this is something that i expect of the relationship for you to engage with me and you to whatever then i also and then have to understand that they, maybe they adhere maybe they don't and i have to accept reality right but like hey this is what i would like to see from this relationship very clear communication and then that's now what I need to be willing to provide like both directions. I think that's very, very just to me on a relational level, applying any of those things has been so great. Cause as I've moved away from where I grew up and the few relationships I've been able to maintain and nurture, it's been a lot of very much. Okay. What, what does I think about my relationships with them or with my family members that I want to upkeep? And it's like, to me, what would being a good person, like, good daughter what does that mean to me like what are the actions that need to happen in the frequency and so on in order for me to feel okay about this relationship mm. and then am I actually taking those does that need to exist in my calendar if I'm a person like me like it has to be in my calendar so my calls are planned and then of course if you're like oh shit I need something like all right cool whatever but like to nurture the thing I can't just wait until something has hit the fan you know yeah I don't know, it's cool it's cool to Try to get better at. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in a world of, again, because it's uh, the communities that we probably lay claim to being part of are no longer solely dictated by geographical location, but they mm. can be incredibly important people in our lives that are some of the, you know, the closest people to us. But if they're, if they're miles away, it is very easy in a hyper-stimulating world to kind of to forget about that and to put in less, less effort. And again, I wouldn't, I'm not prescribing that for anyone else, but I sure. made my subjective self-reported phenomenological decision that this is the man that I want to be and that this is and this is the friend that I want to be and I'm holding myself accountable by communicating that and being like I'm going to check in with you every couple of weeks bro because I fucking love you and I want to know what you're doing yeah I love it dude that's awesome Thanks. okay uh three things that you're grateful for today 
There uh, goes that gratitude again. <laughs> yeah. Um, cornhole in my backyard. All right. Yeah, in the Airbnb. So random. But like between like spout, this is so random. But simple things are sometimes the things that give you so much joy. Yeah. And I just go out and just throw this little flipping beanbag around for like 10 minutes a couple of times a day. <laughs> and, I, and like I'm in the sun and I walk back in and like I feel better. Oh, yeah. And it is really, uh, yeah, so that's one thing. That's ridiculous. I can't believe I just said that. Let's, let's move on. So that's one thing. Um, second thing, radio coffee shop that's just up the road on the way to the yeah. gym. Yeah, good spot. Just, just great coffee and vibes. the three of us, uh, myself, Harry and Eddie, the, the, the two guys that I'm here with, we're in there. It would be a lie if we said we weren't in there every day <laughs> at some point. So even even kind of like going and getting a coffee and then sitting outside in the sunshine. Yep. And uh, other thing I'm grateful for today, I think some of the clients that I'm working with. And I think that when you're a coach, you can be potentially on autopilot when you are offering what you're offering. And it can be three units of energy for me to make a couple of tweaks in a program and have a check-in call with someone and um, you know kind of congratulate them and I can sometimes do that on autopilot and one of the things that brings me out of that reverie is experiencing how grateful they are for what they're getting mm -hmm. and I'm like bloody hell man I need to be more present with this and this actually happened to me today so I spoke to one of my clients this morning and, I, and they were like oh it's amazing I'm doing this and it's you know, I get to go there and life's super hectic and busy and I get to kind of go to the gym and it's something I love and I love it even more because I can just turn my brain off and this is the only place in my life and my world where I'm not leading and I just get led through this session. And I, and that just, that was kind of like a bit of a circuit breaker, a bit of a pattern disrupt for my attention when I was thinking, flipping heck man, like we do, we do good stuff as coaches, yes. you know, and that's that's a beautiful thing. And, and I allowed myself to kind of be present in that moment with, allowing myself to be grateful for what I'm able to offer even when I'm like well I it takes me two seconds to do this but I'm like no no, no it's not it's not about the two seconds mm. it's about the fact that it's taken me 20 years for it to take me two seconds for them to get as much value from it as they do that was good Thank that you. was really good I'm very grateful to know that you have the the ability in that moment to go I should actually be proud of this because mm. being proud of yourself for something you should actually be proud of yourself for is something that a lot of people seem to struggle with. So that's cool. Thank you. Yeah, mm. I agree. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Keep that shit up. <laughs> Will do, boss. Uh, okay. Uh, so three things I'm grateful for. One, I am grateful for honestly just having a spiritual life today. I'll leave it as simple as that. But uh, for a lot of years, I did not have that. And uh, it's been a really cool thing to evolve over the past few years. Uh, and it's had a very significant impact positively on my quality of life. So grateful for that. I'm grateful for my mom and dad are coming to visit this coming weekend. You may get to see them. Amazing. Yeah. So are they, are they come into that. the gym. Uh, I mean, my mom inevitably will. My dad total toss up. Uh, <laughs> who knows? Like he might. It's a coin flip. We don't know right now. They'll honestly probably come check out the space, but he couldn't be, couldn't be bothered <laughs> on many things. Whereas my mother is like, anybody that's your people, I want to meet them. And anything that you're doing, I'm down. Like she's great. What a I, beautiful been, attitude for oh, a mother to have. That's she's amazing. Been, she's been my client since last January. Yes. She's wow. not, she literally colors a sheet of like a sheet of paper that says some inspiring quote and brings it to the calls every single week and holds it up at people. So it's like something inspiring when they do a good job on something and they share it, holds it up. That's my mom. It's so 
cool. That's amazing. I know. Like your biggest cheerleader. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So love that. Uh, So I'm excited to see them. And then uh, the the third thing I'm going to, this is great because this is so like, oh my gosh, am I really going to do this? Guys, this is a perfect example of where I get vulnerable and I'm so uncomfortable with it. But, But here we are. Uh, and this has not been planned. So I am grateful for, I've been seeing someone. I have a boyfriend. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And, uh, truly. And that being said, I'm grateful for their communication ability to Mm. like actually communicate with someone well on topics that may be hard to have a conversation around. And like, that's just so cool exposure to that. So I have a tremendous amount of gratitude for recent experiences where I've been able to walk through a conversation that maybe is in some way uncomfortable in that type of a container and be like, that was good. That was cool. That was productive. I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to do that. So I think I'll leave that that simple, but like, that's good shit, right? A conversation about something in the relationship or about something. Mm, Whether it's just anything that may be a hard conversation to have. So it doesn't even necessarily need to be that. It could just be anything that's a tough topic. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So those can be between the two or just simply something that's just hard to talk about, you know? Mm uh cool that's amazing really cool congrats yeah thanks so anyway we're gonna bebop up out of there but i said it <laughs> um there we go it's public now you're not going back ugh, the anyway. world knows oh my god no i'm talking about that um so thank you for choosing to be here you're very I welcome thank you for having to, me yeah and i'm sorry that the timing is what i'm annoyed but i do have you know we got we have all these things on stuff our to do i know sorry uh because there's so much more there that we could have talked about and and almost anyway we can think about that but i do appreciate your time so thank you for choosing to come spend it with me in this way if you are listening i am going to in the description include his socials where you can find of course if you're somebody who actually identifies as a potential client of his like you're gonna want to hang out with him so go do that (laughs) and then if not then just go follow along and support the dude if you enjoyed this conversation i think that'd be really cool and i'll also throw my coaching below i have got to do a better job of plugging that that's something i'm working on but like the product is solid. I truly believe in what we're up to over there. So if you want mindset, fitness, nutrition, whatever, that's both of us have those offerings. My niche is broad AF. So like, come on, but (laughs) (laughs) even his go there. (laughs) Um, Anything you want to add to that? No, just been an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. I've loved the conversation and can't wait to meet your mom at the weekend. Oh my gosh, she's great. She'll she'll love you. I'm just let me warn you in advance. She'll touch you, so you need to be ready. Like right? She, okay. Right. Yeah. She's such a t- like a touch person. Really tactile. She'll person. grab your arms. Probably she'll probably tell you that they're nice. Like just fair warning. Okay. And she's harmless, but she will do that to okay. you. Yep. That's okay. Yep. Okay. Okay. No. Well, I appreciate you letting me know. Yeah. I'm ready. It's I've had to accept this for many years, and it's just funny. <laughs> It's just funny because some people are not comfortable with that. And she's in all up in your grill, whether, and I, but I love it about her. Let me be yeah. clear. Cause she'll listen to this potentially mom. If you do, I love you and keep it up. Cause it's cool. It's you be you. That's You're it. great. Own it. Yeah. Uh, all right. That's all. We appreciate your time. If you are still here, we are very grateful for that. We are. If you feel like you got something of value out of this episode, I would appreciate it if you would share it somewhere. And we just, we, I'm just lumping you in here as if you agree with this, but hope that you choose to have a beautiful day Mm, love that what a way to finish okay bye